So welcome everyone to this edition of Human Wisdom Live. And today we're going to be talking about managing people with wisdom. It's such an important skill because it's important not only for yourself, because then you can deal with all the pressures that life throws at you, but also because you can then look after the people you're managing. And of course, you're key to the productivity and uh, efficiency of the organization. My guest today is Kate O'Sullivan, who's an executive coach and also deputy chair of the British Rowing Federation. So welcome, Kate. Thank you, Vinosh. Thank you for and, having me uh, along. And welcome also to our guests who are um, joining us from different places. So what do you think are the skills, Kate? Let's start with that. So the plan is generally that Kate and I will speak for about half an hour, and then we're going to open it up and have a discussion. And if you have any comments, please put them in the chat. Um, and it's a very informal discussion. We'll record it, and then we'll share that recording with you afterwards. So let's start with the first question uh, to explore, Kate. What are the skills you think a good manager needs? I personally think, first of all, they need to have a good understanding of themselves, be grounded in, in their own philosophy, in their own um, understanding of, of their own emotions. That's really important for me. Um, I think they've got, obviously they've got to be a good communicator at both giving and receiving. So that's the both the giving and the listening. The listening part is really important. Um, they've got to be good at relationships as yes. well. They've got to build the relationships as things go through. Um, and they've got to be quite organized as well. Mm. And I would say they've got to be open to criticism. Because mm. if you're not resilient enough to be open to criticism, it's always going to be like you're on the back foot, a bit defensive all the time. Yes. So that's my, that's bit my starter pretend. Yes. So... If you look at the list of skills they need, communication, leadership, relationships, as you mentioned, managing change, team building, critical thinking, good self-awareness, none of these are taught in education. You don't have a single course on any of these. So we stumble into these managerial positions thinking that we're just born with all these skills, and of course we're not. And each and every one of them, as we will explore, comes from this deeper self-understanding, which you could call uh, wisdom. Why do you think, my next question is, why do you think it's important to be an effective manager? Because it affects so many people, right? No, it, it, abs it absolutely does. I mean, first of all, I think it's good for your own personal welfare and reputation. Mm. I will always put that first, because I think if, if you're not in the right place, then you're not going to be effective at what you're doing. Mm. And when you are in charge of a team or a project or whatever you want to call it, it's really important to think about how you bring those people together, how you align them together so that you're all on target for what you're trying to achieve. So it's important because if you want people to deliver and you want your business to achieve what it's, or organisation to achieve what it's setting out to, you need people to be able to be aligned, be able to have those honest conversations. The, the manager needs to be very open to um, being a bit vulnerable and recognizing that they may not have all the skills and experiences to solve the problems. Yes. So the more they can build that environment that allows everyone else around them to flourish, the better the chance they've got of being successful in their role, which will build their reputation and will give them what they're looking for, but also, you know, could take them anywhere in their journey. 
Well, I think it's so important because 50% of people who leave organizations say they do so because of bad managers or they don't, they, they don't get on with the manager they're working with. So for organizations, it's imperative to train managers so that the staff they are managing feel supported, well looked after, um, you know, and so on. So it's important for the welfare of staff, because as you know, in organizations now, but 80% of people say they're unhappy. Oh, well, Gallup poll said 85%. This is a global poll, Abby. So, and only 20% or 21% of people at work are engaged with their employments, which means a huge 69% are not engaged, which directly impacts productivity, retention, turnover, sickness, absence, all of that. So, there's a direct impact on the efficiency of the organization and, of course, its bottom line and productivity. Okay, so that's the importance of getting it right as a manager. But why do you think wisdom or self-understanding or self-awareness has a role to play? Because most people won't associate management skills with wisdom. They think, oh, I need to go to management school and learn, you know, whatever, some rule book or the other. Yeah, it's really interesting. So ever since we started having the conversation, I've been kicking around, you know, wisdom, what is it? And if you break it down into it's the skills, experiences and knowledge that people have, then for me, you start to, to, to really think about if you've got that was if you've got wisdom, you're making better judgment calls because you're drawing upon your skills, experience and knowledge. Yes. And when you're a manager of anything, you don't always have all the data in front of you to make the decision. So there's quite often you're having to make decisions on with part of the data, with just some of the data, some of the information. But I think for me, the wisdom side as well, it's really important to understand why do you react to certain people the way do you do? Why do you react to certain conversations or situations the way you do? Because those things can erupt into something which can become a much bigger issue than it needs to be. I think it's also really important to really ensure that we are not making assumptions about the people around you yeah. whether that's be your manager your managers everyone's managed by someone everyone reports into someone so either whether it's either by the people you're reporting into or the people reporting into you or your peers it's very easy to have this incredible reaction that's not very helpful because you're making an assumption yes so i think the managers who are wise are curious that's a beautiful word. I like that. So understanding yourself helps you to understand others because, you know, we deep down, we're the same human being. And of course, as you said, understanding your reactions and your assumptions you're making about other people. Because the mind is always making assumptions. And quite often those assumptions are wrong. So just the ability to be curious and doubt your first assumption, I think, makes you such a much more effective manager. I think you gave that example of someone was really late uh, on a regular basis and then instead of just reacting and getting upset with them you ask them why and they said well my bus timetable had changed or you know something quite simple yeah um, no, that, that, was, that was exactly right their bus timetable had changed which meant that they were never going to be able to be in the office yes for the time that they were being asked to be in the office for and they're you... either going and, and the other factor was that because they need to drop their children off yes so they were dropping their children, single parent, dropping their children off. 
So it, it just took a little bit of a conversation to figure out a way that enabled them to fulfill their job. The team understood what the issue was because then lots of other people came forward and said, oh, yeah, 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 we're struggling with that bus timetable as well. So we could just have an adult to adult conversation about it all. Yes. But if you're a good like manager and you don't rule with fear, because a lot of managers I know rule with fear, uh, people are more likely to come and talk to you and say, hey, I've got this problem. How can we work around it? And so on. So that kind of openness is so much more uh, so much more possible if you run your ship with a little bit of wisdom. And of course, to understand that each person is motivated differently, right? Just because you think a certain way, we assume that others must be thinking in the same way or they should have the values we do. And of course, absolutely each person is an individual. The more you understand yourself, the easier it is to manage each individual person differently. What do you think of that? No, I think that's absolutely right. I think everyone has different triggers. Everybody has different personalities. Some of us, as I'm demonstrating here, are think, talk, think people. So when my mind's running nine to the dozen, I'll interrupt. So my apologies for that, you know, because I, I talk things out. So I talk things out. And those I don't always talk things out that are fully formed views. So then I'll go away and think about it. And then I'll come back with my fully formed view. Whereas I know other people who will think, talk, think things throughout as well. Now, if, if all you think is there's the quiet person in the room isn't offering anything because they're not saying anything, or the person who's always talking is dominating, then you're going to have very different views of those individuals. But if we can have a greater, if you can have a greater understanding of all the people around you, this extends to families as well. But if you can have a greater understanding of all the people around you, what are their triggers? What are their personalities? What are their normal neutrals? What's their normal neutral face? I had a fascinating conversation with a group of teenagers the other day, and we talked about this new normal neutral face. And someone said, "I know you're." <laughs> I know you're always asking me how I am, but I just have a normal resting bitch face. I'm really happy. This is me when I'm happy. If I start coming around and hugging you before a race, then be really scared because I'm really petrified at that point. And it just opened up this incredible conversation. And if I think about it when, you know, I'm imagining adults, because it extends into adults as well, you make assumptions about people based on their actions and what you see and what's presented in front of you but if you don't take the time and trouble to understand who you've got on your team it's always just going to be more difficult for you because you won't get you know you'll, you know, be, you'll be hosting a lot, a lot of you'll spend a lot of the time backpedaling and undoing unintended consequences of a very simple action from you yes. you know it could be you've given a reward to somebody but they don't want to be rewarded in that way thank you very much you never asked me how i wanted to be rewarded it's very nice you give me a bonus but i just don't need that in my job thank you very much um you know so it, it's i think it's really important because also you're going to be hosting a lot of meetings as a manager and as you said the loudest person in the room often gets heard but it's your job to make sure the quietest person in the room gets heard and you make space for that person if they, want they to. might be the person who has the most valuable contribution to make the most junior person you know uh, the person at the coal face or whatever it might be the call center person or uh, person serving the customers um etc what about that, values that, 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 sorry, uh, sorry, that, sorry go on sorry Mosh, that, that's where this business about not making assumptions is really important 
Um, and actually reading the silence in the room, reading the faces of the people in the room, reading the body language and not being not being afraid yourself as a manager to ask somebody a question because you won't know the answer necessarily what they're going to come up with. Mm. But you might be able to say, look, I've just observed, you know, you seem to wince a bit when I said that or, you know, you, you, you really smiled at that. What, what was going on? That just really is the only thing you'd like to share because I'd really like to understand it. And how you play that is, is how your style is. I think another exercise that's really useful is to for you to journal about what your own values are as a manager, yeah. as a person. What are the values you bring to your role? I mean, do you bring a sense of, I mean, I'm not saying we should, you, you have to follow somebody else's list, but to find out what your own values are. I mean, do you have fairness, equality, honesty, integrity, uh, as you said, being open to mistakes, own your own mistakes and so on, and being authentic. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And this is where I think our values can help form our managerial approaches, our leadership approaches, our philosophy, for want of a better word. And indeed, those approaches and philosophies will then help inform how we lead and manage and how we act ourselves. Yeah. It's so important um, on this journey to understand our own conditioning, because that plays, actually, we've got a huge module on conditioning in the Human Wisdom app. We're all conditioned by our past experiences and nobody's aware of their condition, but yet it determines our opinions, assumptions, beliefs, aspirations, management style, you know, absolutely everything. I, I completely agree with that. I mean, I, I think you know, Manoj, that one of the areas of the whole human wisdom project that's really had the biggest impact on me personally has been this this conditioning element of it so you know i i was in an organization that went through unconscious bias training did the sheet dipping unconscious bias training when i was asked recently to do unconscious bias training i said i wouldn't do it but what i would try and do is to create a safe place that people could have those honest conversations and collaborate their views because you're dealing with people's um social backgrounds their religious backgrounds there's a whole range of things you know the government values etc that there are and so for me the the whole area around conditioning has made me stop and think about am i looking at a situation a problem or just a, a, a situation through my lens or the lens of the other people around me am i how am i judging i use the example to you of I'm um, involved in setting a charity up at the moment to work with the local kids. Now, these local kids hold quite a lot of abuse at me sometimes. But actually, what a surprise. As soon as I changed how I spoke to them, they've changed how they speak to me. Mm. I went out and I found a little bit about their backgrounds, what they were doing, how they were. The situations that they had to deal with at both school and at, at home. And we're having completely different conversations now. Yes. completely different conversations and there's much more of a, a a mutual respect there and it comes back to that whole point for me about making assumptions and that curious inquiry one of your pillars of the human wisdom project it's, it's really know, a curious... revelation to lots of people oh my god i didn't realize i've been conditioned and i wasn't aware of it and that's yeah. determined my identity whether it's religious or national or my opinions or and you know, but this deeper understanding also brings compassion and empathy for others because you realize they are not aware of their condition. They are not aware that their opinions and beliefs come from their conditioning. Yeah. And they're attached to their conditioning 
just as you're attached to yours. Yeah, yeah. So right. just that deeper understanding starts opening things up. And instead of asking or sort of attacking people for their opinion, you could say, where does that come from? And one of the most powerful statements around this topic that someone said to me was um, I was preparing to do, a, as I say, a, I had 100 people in the room and they were from all the countries, well, a lot of countries around the world. And someone said to me, I'm from Israel, but I'm not Jewish. That left a massive impact on me. That one statement, I'm from Israel, but I'm not Jewish. And we unpacked that a bit of that. Why did I feel like that? Why? And it was simply because you always, you have that natural assumption. If you're from Israel, you must be Jewish. Yes. And it was just a, it was just an, a statement that the individual made to me, which made me stop and think about how many prejudices do I, do I bring into my thinking that I do. Yes. So this ability to question and be curious about our conditioning and how it's impacting our life, it's not wrong. But that curiosity and ability to question opens the door to wisdom. So you can understand yeah. yourself, others. And it really, as you say, one of the biggest shifts in my life has been this ability just to question all my conditioning influences. And I think if I can just bring everything together we've spoken to up until now into one example, brief example. Um, I said I was in a meeting where somebody said something and I felt a massive emotional reaction inside. That won't work. You know, I went in a bit of child, you know, petulant teenage mode inside of me. And I went away and I thought very hard about where did that reaction come from? And actually, I realized it was because I felt I was the custodian of some great work that somebody had done to get us to a position where we were at. And I just felt that there was a bit of disrespect coming in towards that work by that one suggestion. And it was going to unpick everything. And that was all about making sure this particular organization I'm in has as much diversity in it as possible. And I felt we're just going to go backwards again. We're just going to go back into a small close club. And so it was really important for me to understand that. Yes. And I went back and I unpacked that with the group that I'd had. I hadn't ranted and raved and chucked things around in the meeting, but I know I had a reaction inside of me. I felt like a little volcano erupting inside. Um, so I went back and I was very open with them all. And, and said, look, you know, this is this is why I felt like I did. And I want to try and work together with you on this. So that example illustrate what happens in our thinking behind the scenes, which is my mind is always comparing what it sees in the world with what it knows. And what yeah. it knows is its conditioning. And any yeah. difference that it encounters, either we're critical of people who are different. And if you're a manager, you're much more likely and you just have to watch parents how you know we're continuously critical of the children we're at home do this don't do that but it also translates into you know the people we manage so that could be one thing or you have a reaction as you said and when people have a reaction to something you've said just pause there because they you know they can't help that reaction just as you can't help your reactions yeah. so this can also, understanding sorry. makes all the difference as you know my apologies, Marsha, for interrupting. That was awful. Not at all. Um, but I, but I also, it's because I've got so many lovely things going through my head. That's all. Um, so it's no excuse, though. Um, but I think it, it can also, if you're not careful, it can lead you to burnout as well. If you, you, if if you've got a certain philosophy or value set, if you've got to do right by your team, you've got to do that. You've got to do this. And I've been in this situation myself, but also where I've ended up defending, 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 defending a person because it was my belief that. 
you know, I should be defending the people who are there. And that's taken me away from some logical, and I've seen it sometimes, of somebody actually just isn't quite able to do that role. So actually I'm not doing them any favors by protecting them in some respects. Um, but then it also means that I just take, I've just taken in the past more and more and more and more on. And you see this with people all the time. You take more and more and more and more on, and then your own elastic band breaks. Yes. Okay. And then you start being ineffective as a manager. Let's move on talking about communication because yeah. it's such an important part of being a good manager. Yeah. And what communication tips? I mean, it's a huge subject. We could be here all day, but are there any pearls that we can offer? What are the key communication tips that are not obvious immediately that we could offer people? So I think, first of all, as I beautifully demonstrated, listening without interrupting, you know, we we think that, you know, I, I, I could say that I was absolutely listening to every word you're saying, but the reality is I wasn't at that purest level of listening. Because when you're at that purest level of listening, your mind's quiet, you're not making the connections in your head, you're not thinking about other things, you're just 100% focused on the person in front of you. So I think it's, I think it's thinking of that. Yes, um, there's, something, there's something as well about how we how we translate what we're thinking about, how we want to encode what we want to, to send forward. So think about, you know, what are you, try, what, what are you trying to communicate to somebody in the first place? Yes. Um, and think about how they might interpret it and allow for a little bit of opportunity and open conversations. You know, don't say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this to you and then I'm, my door's going to be open for you. And so you say something and then you disappear off on holiday for two weeks your door's not open you know so it, but it is thinking about what you've got to communicate and what how other people are going to receive it that seems really obvious but it's amazing how we always get it wrong because such an important point you've just raised which is to be curious to be to consider how something is going to be received by that one particular person because each person is going to react in a totally different way and one more thing yeah. about listening which i find really helpful because normally when we listen, we've got a response in our head as a reaction to what's being said. Whereas if you can pause and ask a question instead about what someone has said instead, that does so many things. It, you learn something new, but it also shows the other person you've been really listening to them. So those two small things, I think, can make such a big difference. Oh, look, I, I completely agree with you. And I know the people listening in will be going, oh, that's rich coming from you. You've interrupted him three times so far. But we're human. And so, you know, listening, effective listening has been on my own development plan for the last 30 years and will probably be on my development plan for the next 30 years. But that's no excuse. Um, so that's a good reminder for me as well. Yeah. The other thing as well is that when we talk, we talk about checking in on somebody, you know, we can only control our actions we can't control how someone's going to react to something so it's it's careful about finding that balance because we can spend an awful lot of time worrying and procrastinating about well, what if they respond like this and what if they respond like that and you can't control how they're going to respond but you can control how you are going to present something and then the other part of it is is the fact that we're always obsessing about getting the perfect words but actually only 7% of what we communicate is in the words. Yes. The rest of it is in our body language and in our tone. Not only in body language and tone, but also in our energy that you bring to the table. 
when I use the word energy, I mean your state of being. Are you at peace with yourself? Are you angry? Are you stressed? Are you whatever it is you are, you are inside is going to get communicated. Are you afraid? That fear is going to communicate. Um, so if you can bring that sense of being authentic, being calm, being at peace, the other person, and keep your tone soft at all times, you'll find you'll have much more meaningful uh, conversations and people will do so much more for you, you know? Um, but you have to be, a, you, you have to be authentic to yourself as well, though. You have to be authentic to yourself well, as well. The only and, thing so what being authentic that? to yourself is, sorry, that you have to question yourself. Do you know what I mean? Oh, no, I, I haven't got a problem with questioning yourself. What I'm saying is you have to be grounded in, in who you are. Yes. Because if you also if you're someone who naturally has high energy in your voice and that's how people know who you are, and you suddenly come in and you're very quiet and you're very and you slow everything down, then people might be worried about you as well. So for me, it's about finding a balance. So you yes, you can soften your voice, and that's really important. And I think it's really important that you understand how you bring yourself back down again, you know, when you're there. Um, and so you understand if, like I know that when I'm interrupting, it's because I've got loads of stuff going on in my head. Yes. And I think also just be sparing in your criticism. Yes. Because if you're a manager and you're much, and you're constantly telling people what to do and criticizing them, et cetera, just be careful because that can undermine self-confidence in a huge yeah. way. And the best way of getting people to change is by saying things, saying positive things. Oh, well done for doing that. You're much more likely to get them to repeat that than if you say to them, hey, that's terrible. You know, you've really goofed up this time or whatever it might be. I think I said to you, there's lovely ways of phrasing things. So one I, an acronym I like is AID, or you can have SAID. Um, SAID is standards, action, impact. I would say do more or do less of. But so it's, it can be very easy that within the space of a minute, you can say, you know, the impact of X was this. Mm -hmm. So let's work out how that can be both a positive and a negative, of course. And then the other aspect that um, well, I was doing some work on bringing some competency frameworks together, we found it, it was a little bit revolutionary when we started to say it's not about you haven't got this competence or you have got it. It's about understanding where your strength is and understanding the impact of when you use it too much or you underuse it because then it, it doesn't be, it's not such a personal conversation and you're focusing more on about the process of something and explaining that so you know Kate you've got lots of ideas going around in your head but the result of that can be sometimes you've got way too many things open and you need just to perhaps say no to a few things and to start to close a few things out it's great that you're compassionate but actually it can become a bit suffocating for people you know after a while you know so that concept of underusing and overusing um our strengths i i found personally quite helpful um in conversations particularly where we were using competency based so what um, tips can we offer now say you're a manager and you need to get things done you're being judged on getting things done and that's your role um, your performance, everything is based on that. What tips can we offer using this innate wisdom that we all have on how can we best get people to perform and get things done? So I think obviously we talked about wisdom being knowledge, skills and experiences, first of all. 
I think you've got to you've got to think about what it is you're being asked to deliver in the first place and how that fits in with the the greater vision of wherever you're at making sure everybody knows that greater picture but then understands how they're contributing to it and and where their contribution is and then um I think there for me there is something about people understanding if you like their bounds of their bounds of authority their bounds of decision making the you know what you're asking them to do and giving them the confidence that they're you're going to allow them to operate within that as well and giving them the confidence that if they if they see something they have to act on there and then yes and so you need to act on it there and then act on it there and then so there's something for me about you know creating an environment that allows people to experiment to fail to take risks where they can use their own strengths as well. Too often we focus on all the things that somebody can't do instead of focusing on all the strengths that they've got, which is why we recruited them in the first place. But maybe also to have these conversations beforehand, saying, what are, we, what are your plans this week? What are we agreeing that you should achieve? And then checking in afterwards, saying, what did you manage? But not being critical, saying, why didn't you? Saying, how can I support you better the next week to actually deliver on... X, Y, Z, whatever it might be. And I think that way we might actually get the best out of people. Because if people yeah. are afraid of you, then as you know, anxiety just diminishes our mental capacity by 30, 40%. So you're going to lose 40% of that person's capacity if you rule with fear and anxiety. And there's, there's a phrase which I love, which is fear doesn't kill you, panic does. Yes. So... So that comes from surfing, came from a Gerald Butler film, Surfing. But it, but it, it is that fear doesn't kill you, panic does. Yes. So the, it's okay to have the emotions, but you need to work with people so that they can be the best versions of themselves. And so then you also need to make sure you're not protecting them as well. So sometimes in protecting individuals, you're actually robbing them of a development opportunity as well. Or on your work, which means you're doing things that they feel they should be doing or they would like to do and you're always going downwards instead of operating at the level that you should be operating at and then you know perhaps taking the performance on another level as well i think the other area where wisdom plays a huge role is in understanding your own and other people's emotional needs yeah, because we all have emotional needs we're not aware of which we want other people including our employers to meet and there's a long list Includes being listened to, understood, feeling important, valued, uh, need for power, uh, and the list goes on. We have a whole module on emotional needs inside the app. So if I come to work and I, my boss doesn't make me feel valued and important, for example, or I don't feel listened to or understood, I'm going to blame them for how I'm feeling. Even though the need comes from me, I'm not aware of it. So I think this is a terrible job or a terrible manager. In fact, I was talking once in a hospital and this guy came to me and he said, I'm really stressed. I said, why? He's a doctor. He said, nobody recognizes my worth. I said, why do you want other people to recognize your worth? Do you realize what you're doing? You're causing your own stress. But he carried that narrative with him. So, he, And of course, he was not performing for the organization because he felt they were treating him badly. So just this ability to understand and have conversations around our emotional needs uh, can be really powerful. Okay. And that and that's where treating everyone in your team as individuals is important. 
because what one person values to someone else that's just offensive yes. you know so it, it's really important to understand you know what the individual needs are of the person okay let's talk about fear Kate because fear yeah. plays such a huge role in organizations it operates in the background you're not aware of your own fears your staff are not aware of their fears sometimes and yet it's determining so many of our behaviors and actions and so on and it's just important to uncover that and have a conversation with yourself and others and see how that's impacting um, and that's where you can just have those simple questions like what, what's your greatest concern here and don't take the first answer you know, every executive coach will tell you don't, don't take the first answer explore it and probe it a little bit and saying is there anything else is there anything else that you haven't told me or you know, well, what else? What what else are you concerned about? You know, just probe and dig a little bit further. So quite often in any managerial or actually anywhere in an organization, you're faced with the situation and you have got to make a decision. And your subconscious fears are operating. So am I making this decision for the organization? What's good for the organization or what's good for me? How can I protect my uh, reputation or my ego or my whatever? And often, if I take that path, I'm not doing what's best for the organization or best for the people I'm supporting and working with. So if you're That's a really right. good manager, you will absolutely understand and be able to manage your own fears, put them to one side, and support the people that you're looking after. Because if your superiors are pressuring you and saying your job is at risk, et cetera, and you pass all that on to your team, you're not going to get the best of them at all. No, and also for your own well-being, if you can identify yourself with your own who you are, your own humanity, the person that you are, then you're not defining yourself by your job title. Hmm. So you're going to be, your behaviours will be driven by who you are as opposed to who you think you should be or how you think you should be behaving. That's yes. the other thing. So for me, that's setting up a longer-term benefit for you as an individual as well. Yes. Because so, we all change jobs, we all get different job titles, we all leave work at some point and organizations. And the people who define themselves by who they are as individuals will have much better transitions through those elements as well, because they're not defining themselves by the job title or the sphere of power that they've got. Yes. So power is such an important one. So if you're a manager and you wield that authority because it full, you know, feeds your own ego without, again, you being aware of it. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. you're really not, you think, oh, everyone's, you know, saying yes, sir, no, sir, and sucking up and, you know, you're lapping it all, lapping all that up. But just to realize how corrosive that power is for your own integrity, for your own effectiveness as a manager. And if you can just say, look, I'm functioning here as a manager, but, you know, I'm the same human being you are. And if you can create that relationship, I think it's so much more uh, useful. No, I agree. And look, for me, Manosh, I think we've talked about this before. Um, Organisations will have performance reviews and things, processes set up, which are important. But they're often based on the things that someone's not doing well at. The, the level of the discussion is often more about the bits that you're not doing well at. but we spend organizations and we spend an awful lot of time and money recruiting good people in recruit them in because there's something about them we really like there's something about their experience that they're bringing in and we know no one's ever perfect mm. we know there's some areas that we need to work with but then 
then over time that gets eroded away quite quickly. Mm. And the good organizations recognize the strengths of the person they've got in front of them. They're honest about the areas they're not good at if they're impacting on them not being able to do their job, mm. but they help them and guide them and make sure they're aware of that and they put plans in place for it. Yes. But too often we knock out all the good stuff from people. Mm. So just to summarize then the skills that wisdom can teach us which are really useful as managers one is to nurture a quiet mind because you have a mind that's quiet less reactive more able to consider things make better decisions secondly to question yourself the art of inquiry you know, how do you begin to learn about yourself and your own drivers and reactions why you think the way you do to be able to manage our emotions. And I think the key there is to take ownership. My anger is not being caused by you, it's coming from me. And why am I angry? And so on, to take ownership of our own uh, emotions and always to ask ourselves, is there another way to see something? Is there a different way I could respond? Just that simple question opens up options for you to consider. Because quite often our mind narrows down to only one perspective. <laughs> one course of action and of course and, and i would add the assumptions what assumptions are you making yes yes and perhaps at the end of it all to be to realize the importance of kindness yeah. don't forget to be kind just because you're a manager in fact it's even more important if you're a manager to take every opportunity to be kind you see my father was a physician for 50 years and he passed on something which I passed on to all the people I trained as a surgeon, which is your patients never forget your kindness. And the people you work with also will never ever forget your kindness. So wherever there's an opportunity for kindness, don't pass it up because that will really develop a certain connection with the person that you're managing. And that will help you get the best out of people and help them feel supported. They want to be there and, and so on. There's so little compassion often in organizations, quite often because a manager is so worried about their own role and how they're being judged and all of that, that we forget the importance of kindness. Yeah, and that word compassion is very important. That word of compassion is incredibly important, the compassion and kindness. And it can be very something very simple, very, very simple. Yes. So I'm just going to take a minute now and show everyone around the Human Wisdom app. And then we're going to open it up for a discussion. And I hope you brought some great questions and insights of your own to share. Um, okay. So this is the Human Wisdom app. It's on your phone and um, on human at humanwisdom.me. And specifically, when it comes to management, there's a whole section here in the personalized for you section called wisdom for the workplace. So what we've done here is collated all the content, which is useful as far as work is concerned. So there are modules on stress and anxiety. 80% of the people you manage are going to be stressed or anxious. And they're not going to show it. They're going to have a smile. You're not going to realize it. There are modules on work, leadership, communication success and failure, because we don't know how to deal with failure, relationships, bullying. You won't believe in the NHS, 18% of people feel they've been bullied, one in five almost. Um, 
and a module on how to make better decisions. Then there are life stories, guided questions, how to have a positive attitude. It could make the biggest difference to work. And if we can get the people you live, you manage to have a positive attitude, uh, your job can become just so much easier. Uh, there are podcasts, uh, short videos, this event, for example, and lots of guided meditations and and blogs. So lots of content here. Um, and of course, this deeper self-understanding has so many other applications. So we've got a set of wisdom exercises. So if someone's not sure, how do I begin this journey of learning about myself? Well, you begin by noticing the world freshly, and then your body, and then your feelings and your thoughts, and then gradually um, you can grow in self-awareness. And this understanding, there's a section here, by the way, on developing a calm mind. But this deeper understanding can then be applied to all the different areas of your life, including stress and anxiety, but also relationships, communication, addiction. 20% of the people in organizations are addicted to something. And that's going to have an impact on I mean, that you just they measure the cocaine levels in the River Thames. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and they can tell what the uh, drug addiction rates are and so on yeah. in the city. Um, so the numbers are, are quite astonishing. Um, there's a module there on dealing with criticism, which I think is so useful, how to manage your emotions. And then here, understanding how your mind works. So conditioning, we talked about, or the reactive mind, but there's so many more. Um, then the last one is on understanding yourself and how you can use this understanding to help make the world a better place. So I'm going to come out of that and pause and, um, yeah, open it up to your questions and comments. Um, Dominic, do you want to start the ball rolling? Dominic's been a head teacher and will manage people for many, many years. What have you learned? Oh, right. Um, yeah. Actually, what came to mind was um, managing people. That I, you know, I spent 25 years in primary education and managing a class of 38-year-olds um, isn't much different to being a head teacher of a, of a set of staff um, because basically we're all human. Um, one of the a wise man said to me before I took up headship, remember, Dominic, the three most important things in headship, relationships, relationships, relationships. And that's really... Um, stuck with me and you, you mentioned about values as well and, and he also said that um, your values are only as good as the way you treat the most vulnerable member of your team um, and again that's something you know that, that we have to keep in mind I think and if anything of the human wisdom if, if it's about anything it is about understanding yourself which enables you to understand others um, just a couple of practical things actually in terms of being ahead, um, it, it was kind of a revolving door that I had. You know, people would look in the in the room and think, "Oh, well, he's got nobody in, so he mustn't be busy." Not realizing that I just had somebody else in and somebody else in. One of the things that um, that I always remembered was that whoever comes to see me at that particular time, their issue is the most important thing to them. It might seem trivial to me. Um, but actually, in their mind, it's the most important thing. And the best thing I can do for them is to really listen and really focus. And I think, as, as Kate mentioned, it's, it's again, using the, the innate curiosity that's within you to remain curious and, sit and ask questions 
don't think you have to come up with solutions because actually we've all got this innate wisdom and we can all find the solutions within. And you're, you're better off serving somebody on your team that you're managing by asking questions from curiosity and enabling them to, to use their own wisdom to find solutions for themselves. That is a much more empowering place to come from and for them to go to. Um, I think that's um, probably the, the comments that I've got so okay. far. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. Uh, Dan, do you have any pearls to offer us today? Yes, my feeling is that in a good workplace, the boss is both supported and supportive. Uh, and it's a two-way street, by the way, I feel. The boss is supportive of his staff. And the staff needs to be supportive of the boss in a slightly different way, but still supportive. I just want to come back to Dan and say thank you so much for saying that, Dan, because I completely agree with that. We forget that people are a human being first. Yes. So many thanks for that. Marion. Good to see you on the call. Welcome. <laughs> thank you. No, I think it's been an interesting conversation. Um, one of the things that I really feel it's important is that we recognize the importance of compassion and that compassion is an act. It's not just being so, feeling sorry for somebody. It's to be to really truly listen and understand and then support the person to do something about the situation that they find themselves in. And that's what compassion is. It's a radical act. It's when you can radically empathize and actually set in train a series of motions of, of an enabling change. Yes. Um, and just, I think as a manager to be conscious, Marion, of the amount of mental illness there is across the general population. And so you're much more likely to have those people in your organization, but you've no idea what's going on because they are afraid to admit it to you. And of course, that's going to impact their performance. Um, and a lot of people are just barely holding it together. Um, Hillary. And I, yes, I think that's Sorry. really important in terms of that if you can show that you are vulnerable, it enables those that you're leading to show that and to, to open up more and, be, and, and allow that truth to come through. So, yeah, thank you for that. But you have to get over your own fear of that, right? Because you fear that if I'm vulnerable, I'll be giving up my authority. And then, you know, it comes from your own fear. But if you've managed your own fear and got past that, then you realize being vulnerable, being authentic is completely fine. Yeah. Hillary. Exactly the same, actually. What, what I was going to come in with was around vulnerability. So that was that was great. That saves me. And I just think if I think about leaders that I work with or alongside, it's probably one of the hardest asks for them because I don't think that's we're not wired that way in the same way that we're wired to look for things to improve on mm. instead of celebrating strengths vulnerability seems very counterintuitive especially i think for less experienced leaders i think that is a, a really a really uh, challenging rite of passage for them 
So, um, and then, and, and the other thing really, the one that, res the area that resonated for me, and uh, I don't, I think it's a really hard thing to do well um, for, a, for a leader and for an organization is, is giving the right attention to the quiet voices. And it yes. has been mentioned. Yes, yes. And I just thought it was worth mentioning again, because I think it's so important. Yes. Um, and it's, it's rarely, rarely done well. It's really important. I think it's just overall being together inside as your as a as a person yourself, because you know so many leaders fail. I mean, there's some um, astonishing stat that fifty percent of leaders are going to fail within eighteen months. This is from Institute of Directors, and I think a lot of that can be boiled down to this lack of wisdom, self awareness, being together inside, and so on. I think, Minosh, if I could just say, there's one thing which Hillary said about vulnerability which I think I touched loosely upon with you, is that it's okay as a manager, if you've got a problem you're needing to work, to get all your team together and just say, this is the problem we've got to work on. I haven't got all the answers. Can we just get our brains together? How are we going to resolve this? That's just another level of vulnerability. Yes. You don't have to have all the answers if you're a manager. In fact, sometimes it's good not to have all the answers as a manager because you might get it wrong. So you know, not being afraid to bring people together and say, right, let's just work the problem we've got ahead of us here. And we're not saying that as a manager, you just, if you're managing with wisdom, you just have to be softy, softy all the time. No, yeah, not at all. You can make the tough decisions. You can have the tough conversations. You, uh, All of that is definitely possible. But maybe you need to do that 5% of the time. But the remaining 95% of the time, you could definitely be kind, compassionate, supportive, you know, and, and all the things that the way we would like to be managed. I mean, that's a simple way, you know, it's how would I like to be managed and um, take that on. Okay. Well, thank you very much, everyone, for this really enlightening. And thank you, Kate, so much uh, for all well, your nice insights time. today and uh, everyone else, all the other people who've contributed. And I look forward to seeing you at another event. So. This podcast comes to you from the Human Wisdom Project. To find out more about all the issues we've discussed, please visit our website, humanwisdom.me, or download the Human Wisdom app. It's free to download and browse. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye.